I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. What's up, Geeky Dees? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is the show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. And my name is Caitlin McKinnon. And there are so many ways you can listen to the Geek Down Podcast. Namely, two. SoundCloud.com slash GeekDownPod. That is where episodes live. That's where they're hosted. If you want to follow us on there, you will get a notification every time a new episode goes live. If that is too much work for you. Way too much work. If you're like... Oh, my fingers. Typing addresses. And clicking mice. Into a browser. Oh, lame. While you're there, you only have to do it once. You will have to do it once. We apologize. Yes. But after that, while you're there, you will see a button with a telltale, instantly recognizable logo on it. And it will say subscribe. And when you click that button, it will take you to Apple Apple Podcasts. Podcasts. Do not call it iTunes. It is no longer iTunes. They will come for you. You are revealing yourself as an old if you call it iTunes. It is Apple Podcasts. Once you do that, you will be at Apple Podcasts and you will see another button that clicks subscribe. And once you do that, the signal hits the clouds, hits the atmosphere. And from his stately palatial manner, he sees it. He rises up. He grabs his sack. He deploys the rainbow of friendship and yamans. Chauncey, the magical geek down internet elf. Slides his way through the cityscape, scattering new episodes of geek down through the air directly into your ear hole. Because he's magic, they know where to go. They just they just fly off, and you'll just be sleeping calmly. Feel a little boop. You might you might wake up. You might touch your ear tenderly and say, "That seems odd. I wonder what happened." And then when you glance at your phone, there will be a new episode of the Geek Down. Yeah, it's how the magic works. Just like that, it's fucking magic. It has nothing to do with RSS syndication. What are you no. talking about, you crazy what? person? Technology. Magic. <sighs> we don't need technology here. If you're listening to all of this preamble and you're like, you guys are idiots. Why can't you're grown adults? Why are you talking like this? Uh, number one, you'd be wrong and frankly kind of mean and we don't need to hear it. But if you want to be an asshole anyway, you can comment on our Twitter feed at. Oh, oh, at Geek oh, Down Pod. Yeah, there you go. I got it. It was <laughs> amazing. Stum- stumbled for a minute. Yeah, I was. Well, it came out of nowhere. HTTP. I was actually thinking of someone being mean to us and I got me really, really upset about this. Why would they do this? Fuck, I don't you, fuck you, fictional people. Yeah. That don't exist. No, our followers are, are lovely. They are. Um, special shout out to um we, we have all these like silent people Very who silent. are like silently supporting us. Yeah. Like we all we know Luna Nightingale on yep. SoundCloud, likes everything. She Bewildering on Twitter at She Bewildering. I think she's a member of the Crew de Moon uh, Sailor Moon cosplay group. Right. Likes every tweet. <laughs> Good. That the down throws up. Well, I see, as we know, I am a, a on Twitter from the shadows. I so just, she gets alert. She sees what I'm on about. But. I'm like the shadow. Like, I just hang back and see what's going on. Um, You're a terrible Alec Baldwin movie? Yes, I am. Do you know I went, and went sidebar, do you know um, when I worked at a boys camp in Aurelia? Uh-huh. No, I did not summer? know that. You didn't know that at all? No. Well, I worked at a boys camp in Aurelia for okay, a summer. Okay, great. Um, and our nights off, we would go into town mm-hmm. and... Uh, there was like a two cinema movie theater. Right. And one weekend, uh, True Lies was in one cinema. Yeah. And The Shadow was in another one. Right. And the people I was with and myself decided, 
That's based on a comic book, isn't it? Let's go see The Shadow. Oh, dear. It's a terrible decision. Yes. You missed out on <laughs> Le- true lies. Libido-starved uh, teenage <laughs> teenage camp counselor boys could have seen Jamie Lee Curtis prance around in her underwear or watch terrible Alec Baldwin movie. And you went with the terrible Alec Baldwin. Yep. Yeah, one of the biggest mistakes of your life, I'm sure. It's, uh, it haunts me to this day. I as we talked about, we both have things just bubble up 20 years. 20 years later, you yep. fucking idiot. Um, yeah, so shouts to at She Bewildering on Twitter. Thank you for supporting us. Thinking I'm funny, apparently. Yeah. Um, um, and then there's also our Gmail. You yes, can always write us. You can. You can write us lovely, long fan emails. We love them. Though they would make our day. They have made our day. They always make our day. Yeah. Um, and that's geekdownpod at gmail.com. Yep. And then finally... The place where I hang out the most, because I'm an old person, apparently. <laughs> it just happened overnight. Talking about magic. Just like, <laughs> boop. <laughs> Bippity boppity old. There goes your relevance. Yeah. Um, we have a Facebook page, and yes. it is at www.facebook.com forward slash geekdownpod. Spend more time on the Facebook, people. Oh, yeah. It's fun. The Facebook has kind of, kind of been lacking lately. Yeah. It's there. It's there. It's always there. I always let you know about updates and stuff, like... <sighs> Like updates to our Patreon, yes, which is at patreon.com slash geekdownpod. Where if you want to support this endeavor financially, we would be ever grateful. I know what you're thinking, and I posted this on the Facebook group as well. You might be thinking, I don't really have a lot of money, like, I like what y'all do, but I don't really have a lot of money. And like, I can't, I feel bad, I should be able to spend. And I've heard this from people as well yeah. in my life, they're like, I don't want to pledge anything because I can't really afford to spend like you know five bucks a month yeah. on it. Who said anything about $5? We have a $1 tier. Yeah. And honestly, really, we mean this. We appreciate every single dollar. If 20 of y'all went out and pledged a dollar each, number one, you probably ain't even going to notice that money's gone every month. No. But we will notice it comes in. Oh, yes. (laughs) Oh, will we? Oh, we will. And these are the things that pays for our SoundCloud. We've already done that. We got Kate a chair. Yeah. It was this whole thing, and she now I have so a chair. comfortable. Lumbar support. And maybe you think that, like, oh, they, you, you, they don't need any money now. They've crossed off all their goals. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> you know why we still haven't had any interviews on this show? <laughs> yeah, we, we still are saving them for a mixer. Waiting for a mixer. So, yeah. listen, we appreciate all the pledges we already have. We love you, patrons. I went really overboard this week on the geek down playlist because i figured this needs to be contextualized so i wrote like a thousand word essay to to go along with it um also which i didn't know yeah patreon emails all of our patrons whenever we update yeah you had mentioned that yeah i had no idea it's pretty cool because sometimes i just throw shit out there and it's like nobody's gonna look at this because you know again it's like the soundcloud thing patrons don't want to Patrons don't want to have to go to the site to read the things we're doing, but yeah. it just gets emailed to them. That's a, it, you know what? It's like a little something extra Chauncey does. I was about to say, that's probably, you know, Chauncey was talking to me about, about like, some of the Why other work. Why does Chauncey only talk to you? Uh, you know you're cold and, and you know, I not resent, welcoming. I resent this so much. Yeah, we text all the time. I don't know what your problem is. Um, but he was talking about how when there are bonus episodes, he sends, you know, he does some extra work. Uh, pl- playlists, the updates to the playlist, uh, show notes. He'll update all that. Well, fuck you for not talking to me, Chauncey, but uh, bless you for all the extra work that you do for our patrons. But anyway, yes, a dollar a month. If that's all you got, don't worry about looking cheap. Oh, no. A dollar is awesome. A it's dollar means us. so much 
to me and anyone else maybe you think that listen if you got like i don't feel i wouldn't feel good about spending you know five dollars on the geek down when this you know other show that i love i can't give them five dollars why don't you give a dollar to five of your favorite podcasts yeah that's fine they would all be delighted we would be extremely delighted because listen i don't want to get too uh, mathematical on y'all hmm. this is each episode of geek down is about an hour and a half yeah each it's about it's like six hours of content yeah. a month that we give y'all yeah for free it's free for a dollar a month it's pretty good it's cheaper than a movie it's cheaper than a book it's cheaper than a single issue of a comic it's a great deal cheaper really than a video game cheaper than maybe an app maybe an app is about the only other thing you get for a dollar uh, a lot of them are dollar 99 right value so much value so much value <laughs> we appreciate that Ugh, how's your week kate uh i'm still sick how is this possible um, <laughs> Number one, don't slurp your tumbler on the mic. <laughs> Number two, how are get, you still sick? I, I, I think I got better and then got resick. Because on Thursday, I was like, oh yeah, I'm almost almost over it, right? Like I'm feeling like basically normal. It's a little bit like just a, it's almost stopped being sore. Thursday night, bam. Is this a Hamilton thing? Someone said Is that. Is Hamilton doing this to you? But I've, I've been in Hamilton for a while and this is not... I probably had contact with a child, and it was probably Ugh, covered in disease. That'll do it. Oh, um, festering, but it's it's viral. Germs. It's just viral, so they can't do anything. I just can take well, cold what medication. What can we do about your fucking feeble immune system? <laughs> it's not that feeble. Well, apparently, it is because you can't shake this virus. I haven't been sick for ages, ages, and it's I have sh- shaken the virus. I got a new virus. <laughs> this is totally different. Why, why is downtown Hamilton riddled with viruses? It probably has something to why? do with the germs. Why everywhere. is your place of work just filled with disease? Because there are young people in my place of work. That'll do it. Yeah, there. it could also be the 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 longer hours I'm now working. So mm. could be it. I'm actually one of those full time people now. Are you getting enough sleep? Probably not. Maybe you should do that. Definitely not. <laughs> Absolutely not getting enough sleep. Are you refusing to get enough sleep? No, it just, it happens that I'm a night owl. So I'm like getting tired at like eight and I'm like, oh yeah, like I'll get to it at nine, nine o'clock rolls around and I'm like, whoa, Whoa. oh my God. Time for voyager reruns. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I'm like, look at all the things I could do at nine o'clock. Yeah, it's, it's not good. Um, How about you? How was your week? uh, Made my return to the dentist. Burr, How was the burr. dentist? This was the first actual uh, cleaning sesh. Yeah. So despite feeling occasionally that yondola was going to get directly into my skull <laughs> through my mouth. <laughs> she offered all these like, you know, we can put like some topical shit on you that'll kind of numb your gums up or, uh, or, you know, we can just, you know, numb you, numb the nerve completely. Like yeah. if it's, it's too big of a deal. And up, I was like, no, it's, it'll, it'll be fine. I'm sure like it's going to look like The Shining when I rinse, but like <laughs> it's, it's, it's going to be fine. And woo, yeah, she got to some of them fronts and I'm like, number one, she's going to pry this tooth out of my head. And number two, I'm pretty sure she's burrowing directly into my skull. Oh, probably to um, get your brain. And she kept like, she kept like checking on me <laughs> by like 40 minutes in. She's like, you doing good? I was like, if you're going to go back to the fronts, <laughs> you gotta, you're going to have to numb that up. Uh, I will. I will admit my my frailty, Yandela. Also, again with the the, the TV on in the dentist is a yeah. real weird. I know this is like everywhere now, but yeah, it's like, super normal. She got like the the, the much music retro lunch <laughs> lunch on. <laughs> it's like watching like Gob and Boys to Men videos. 
<laughs> I did make the crack about like Yandale, you have to change the channel. I can't have it getting this sexy in here when Boys to Men. Boys to Men cut end of the road coming up. Um but the thing is, because as established on previous episodes, uh, it's been a while since your man yep. went to the dentist. Um, given that, you know, they only book you for like an hour and really she probably spent like an hour and a half yeah. in there. Really only time to get half my mouth done. Yep. So one side of my mouth, pristine. <laughs> Other side of my mouth, Harvey Dent scarred. That must face. be that must be a weird feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Because I got I said to somebody, I actually have like new gaps in my teeth now that like my lip is getting stuck in when I eat. It's very, it's, it's very, very weird. odd. Um, when are you getting the second half done? Uh, a couple of weeks. Okay. Cause you know, you got to plan it. So you've got to, you got to, got to plan it for payday. Do you want real poverty talk? Does everybody want the real poverty? Yeah. Talk? That's a real Let's poverty get into talk. it. Um, listen, hopefully this episode gets updated, uh, on time and bell doesn't shut my fucking internet off again real poverty talk bell was not happy with the amount of money i gave them the last time and they would like more money <laughs> and you're like uh... and they're like great guess i'm cashing my vacation payout again to pay my goddamn phone and internet bill Woo! right as mom messages me on facebook to be like you know when you're coming home this summer and i'm like no oh, oh about that mom i still got to go to the dentist and train tickets are like 120 dollars round trip but up <laughs> Oh wow! We might not make it home. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like you know you make the arrangement with Bell, so they like leave you alone. And it's like yes, fuck you. I'll pay it all on like this day. And what's also going to be extra fun is like so I'm like going to pay it online, like through the website. Yeah, through their website. It still might take a couple days of the process. So I get to uh, pay it and then probably immediately call somebody and be like, "Listen, you fuckers, I just paid you. <laughs> if it takes a couple days to clear, don't be shutting my shit off because you're like, oh, you didn't pay. Kiss my ass." Wow. Oh, I got really real with them a couple years ago when I was in a similar situation. Mm -hmm. Not the first time your man's been mad broke. Um, And they threw that whole like, uh, you know, we're going to tax another 50 bucks on your bill because we had to turn you back on. Yeah. And I was like, cool. So I want you to realize I'm not speaking to you right now. I know these calls get recorded and this is for your boss. That $50 charge is bullshit. You can kiss my ass. You'll never see that money. And my bill has basically had like a $50. I just leave it. I just don't pay them $50 like every month. <laughs> That's amazing. That's what my dad did. And I've done that for like a, a year, like two so years. My dad had some issue with the, um, the, uh, I guess the heater, the water heater company. Yeah. And he would bought the new house, but he had never signed a contract with them. Mm. And he's like, I don't, it's not like I didn't get the contract as part of the house. Like I need a contract. And they were like, no, 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 you just need to pay for it. And he's like, no, 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 I need a contract. And they tried to get him to pay like $1,000. And he was like, no, 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 you're not getting this money. And they just didn't get the money. They just finally left him alone after a while where he was like, he like took the water heater out, bought his own water heater, like said, like, you can come pick it up. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's fine, but you're not no, 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 you're not getting any money. And I was really proud of him, actually, that he, like, fought the system and won. So good for you with your $50 charge. It's a <laughs> reminder of you fighting the well, system. Well, yeah, then, now I can't, because, right, when I had to make the arrangements, it's like they weren't yeah. going to settle for anything less, even though, like, half of it is the overdue amount. Right. They're like, we want it all. I'm like, you motherfuckers. And then, so, yeah, I, I'm signed up for that. I got to pay that on, on next payday. And then, like, yesterday, I get the email. It's like, your e-bill is ready. It's like, they just tacked another month on there and say, yeah, kiss my ass, Bill. <laughs> see when you see Jerks. that. See when you see that money. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. Friends, if you're not Canadian, listen. Canadian cell and internet companies are... You, you would be stunned. Though, Americans. Though, we get lots of other things that other people don't get. So, I can't really... Like what? Uh, the healthcare thing. Oh, it's a pretty big thing. Sure. Sure. I guess. You got shot, you go to the hospital. <laughs> Most people can't. Why don't you go to a doctor that will actually do something for your perpetual illness? I already went and they told me well, it's viral. Go to vi- another doctor. They told me it was viral and there was nothing they Get could the do. They opinion. did a swab. It was very uncomfortable. They checked Where my did chest. They swab you? My throat. Oh. See if it was like bacterial, I guess. Mm. Nothing. It's nothing. Nothing. It's just a cold. Just a cold flu cough thing. I'm just lucky that it's during the summer. I'm just one of those lucky people, I guess. <laughs> I'm not bitter about it at all. So yeah, fighting with Belle and the dentist. And I mean, listen, uh, I keep saying her name because she was an angel. Shouts to you, Yandala. You were. You Don't were think Yandala will know. Yandala will never hear this, but you know, she 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 was Tibetan, and when she found out I lived in Parkdale, she yeah. got mad, excited, and chatty because we know <laughs> Little Park, Tibet. Parkdale's Tibet town. Yeah. Um, she's asking me if I if I'd ever had Tibetan food. I've had Tibetan and food. As for recommendations, uh, have you had butter tea? Yeah, it's disgusting. Because she mentioned it and told me what it was. It was and she's like, it's actually really good. It no, sounds it's terrible, not. but it's really good. It's not. I almost vomited. Like, butter tea is butter and salt put into black tea, apparently. It's According it's to, gross. According and there to Yondala. Was, and there was a, there's another drink as well that's just butter and milk, and it's also not good. What is up with the butter Tibetans? They really like the butter. Uh, no, these, she mentioned dumplings. They were the, I, had to, I had to get dumplings wherever I went. And like the long dumplings. I can't remember if I got, I got, I let them pick for me and they brought me some stuff and it was mm. good. It was for a thing I was doing in university. Um, <laughs> and it was good. It was good food. But the butter tea and the butter, there's, I don't know what the buttermilk was called. It was disgusting. I kind of want to try it now just because it sounds so gross, but. Yeah, that's, yeah. okay. You're fighting with Belle. You don't have money to spend on butter tea. <laughs> I don't. Um, did I do anything else? No, not really. Just working. Oh, Christ, I'm working so much, and work is stupid. Bell can't have all my money, though. Why? Because i got to segue into news, because I'm trying to go to the Review Cinema here in Toronto on July 26th. For what reason? Because in the next installment of their ongoing Anime at the Review series, presented we, by Toronto's Beguiling. Which we mentioned last week. Did we mention it last week? I'm pretty last sure. Week? No, we didn't mention it last week. Are you sure? Yeah. Oh. I'm 90% sure. Oh, maybe not. That was the Cineplex. No, Cineplex was oh, show- right. Cineplex showing Ghibli movies we mentioned. Right. Sorry. No, this is a one-off. Uh, the Review Cinema is on Roncesvalles Avenue here in Toronto, over in Little Poland. Yeah. In the West End. A beautiful neighborhood, beautiful theater. And they have a bi-monthly, bi-monthly? I think it's bi-monthly, series where they show uh, anime films presented by The Beguiling, the hipster fancy comic book shop here in Toronto. And July 26th, they are showing Cowboy Bebop, the movie, Knocking on Heaven's Door. That's exciting. Which, we love Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy Did you ever Bebop. see the movie? Uh, yeah. I went through a phase where I saw everything. <laughs> I think I saw the like I saw the movie a bit after this the series, though. Mm. Uh, yeah, it came out a few years after the series ended, I think. It takes place between episodes 22 and 23. I think you don't need to know... I mean, a base knowledge of the characters is really all you need to know. If you've seen the series, there will be character beats that will mean more to you than it will mean to someone who has never seen it. But uh, yeah, I'm really trying to get over there to check that out on the big screen because I love Cowboy Bebop. Um, has one of my favorite. That movie has one of my favorite Ed scenes. She gets a little musical montage. Mm-hmm. Where she runs around trick or treating with Ayn to try to find <laughs> information. 
Um, so yeah, that is, uh, like I said, that's at 400 Roncesvalles Avenue. It is, if you are on the TTC, you can take uh, the Bloor Line to Dundas West Station and then head south on Roncey uh, via the King Streetcar if you like, and that will get you there. It is at 645 on July 26th, and I believe tickets are 13 bucks. Look it up on Facebook. You can get more information there. So yeah, shouts to you, Beguiling. Shouts to you, Review Cinema. And shouts to Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. The best fucking shows ever. Got to get my love in for it now because it's not going to come up later in the show. Not at all. Nope. Definitely not. Um, oh, we didn't even mention that it was a special episode this week. It episode. is a special episode this week because it's episode 75. <laughs> Those were like blah, fireworks because I'm sick. I'll put something in post. I can't put in as much excitement into the fireworks as I usually would. I'll put something in post. So, yes, second half of the show today it is about uh, a concept that required a lot of explanation to Caitlin. Okay. You know what? We will get into this later. It's the canon. What are personal canonical items that made us the geeks we are? The things that are unimpeachable. Might not be your favorites. Yes. That was a hard thing to get my head around. But they are unimpeachable. But we'll get to that in the second half of the show. Yeah. Because we got more news to get to. Yes. Unfortunately, sad news. Um, Nelson Ellis, best known for the role of Lafayette Reynolds on True Blood, has passed away at age 39. Which is very, very sad. Yeah. Because he's basically, for my money, like the best character in True Blood. Oh, well, yeah. Absolutely. Um, he was amazing. Like, first season, second season. He just made first and second season, for sure. Um, and it's just so sad that he's gone so young. 39? Yeah, you know who else is 39? It's you. Me. You're 39. He died of heart failure. Yeah. At 39. Yeah. So... Watch I'm out. obviously just going to drop dead at any minute. Like, friends, if I make it through the episode, you better call me throughout the week. Like, yeah, to make sure I'm still here. Because apparently you can die at heart failure at 39. Apparently. Like, um, so I don't know if there is, you know, if he had a history of heart issues or whatnot. But, yeah, it's super, super sad. I'm very sorry he's gone. It almost makes me want to watch the first season of True Blood, which I almost am going to do the hero thing with. There's only, <laughs> only one season of True only Blood. Only one season of True Blood. You got a lot of, hey, you got to let Alcide show up. Um, oh, that's true. Hey, oh, Alcide. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, anyways, he's definitely part of the uh, posse. Um, <laughs> but I do have some other news. In wolf or human form? Uh, both. Both. Oh, my God. Uh, and listen, another thing about Nelson Ellis. I have not seen it, but apparently he played uh, Bobby Bird in the... Uh, in the James Brown biopic. Yes. So I really got to go out and see. I've, I've been lapsing. You think I would have seen the James Brown biopic by now, but I need to, I need to get out there. Um, he on also that. plays, uh, Nelson Mandela. Uh, no, not Nelson Mandela. He also plays Martin Luther King in a thing. Okay. Uh, he shows up in something and he has, he was a part of some new thing that's on Netflix. So I'm sure if you look him up, it'll give you all of his IMBD stuff that he's worked on or imdb i am whatever uh they knew what i'm talking about and it'll have a whole list of cool things you can watch him in yes and and if you've never seen him in true blood oh just look up clips on youtube yeah just watch like a best of clip that clip of him where like because he played a gay man the cook in the local diner yeah and the scene that always makes the rounds had been making the rounds before this but is making the rounds again is when like somebody doesn't want to eat because the food. burger the burger has AIDS. Yeah, the burger has AIDS or he doesn't want to eat food that he had it yeah. made or something like that. And he goes out and he's basically like spitting the burger and then make him eat it or something. He, like he, he licks it and then makes him eat it. Yeah. 
Uh, Lafayette was And then amazing. he punches everyone. It was amazing. <laughs> Fantastic character. Played fantastically by the talented Nelson Ellis. Yes. Uh, rest in peace, Hooker. So more news. Like I said, it's not... It's not doesn't really balance that out. <laughs> okay. It's just interesting news. Um, Sean Murphy, well known f- as a DC artist and writer, um, has is coming out with a new Batman um, graphic novel called White Knight, mm-hmm. and it sh- uh, stars Joker as kind of a good guy. Which is I got to read something about this. Isn't it like he's almost like a politician? Yeah, he's almost like a populist dare we say trumpian politician mm, kind of he 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 wants to talk about things in that world he's made gotham more realistic and talks about wants to talk about things like you know poverty and wage disparity and like ash, actual issues mm-hmm. but you know how do you do that in that gotham world and has joker as marvel politician who's saying really the only reason we have lots of these problems is because of Batman. Um, It's interesting. Paul Dini did something similar with uh, uh, Batman War on Crime. This is from a long time ago. Yeah, he did a few. He did a Superman one. They were all like these. Alex Ross illustrated them, I think. Um, If I recall, yeah, this one I was like a week-to-week comic fan. But yeah, he did a series of three, and Batman was like war... There was a Wonder Woman one called like Peace on Earth. It was like War, Peace, Love. Like it was right. like a trilogy of them. But um, and he also sort of handles some of these issues as well. So I think it'll be interesting. Um, apparently, it was the answer to Frank Miller's ba- Batman. That's kind of <laughs> which one? Uh, the the I think the one that like was eighty eight Dark Knight. Yeah. Or oh, I think it was the. DK2 or DK3 or... I think it was the Dark Knight one. The goddamn Batman or... Goddamn Batman. (laughs) (laughs) I like your inflection better. Yeah. Um, Well, yeah, that's what I've heard. It's just that that's what he sort of put out there. Um, It's a very different spin on it. And I think that's interesting. This is what I like about comics, is that they can do interesting things with the same characters. You want some more comic stuff i do want some more comic stuff do you want an update to last week's story about the what the hell was it dystopian states of hysteria yes i do um so sorry for those of you who don't know when we talked about dystopian states of hysteria or whatever it was um we were talking about uh i hate to say like what an artist is allowed to do or (laughs) Um, what is over the line, but that's basically what we were talking about. And just, it is a controversial book done by uh long time slash legendary comics creator, Howard Chaikin, who has a history of political societal commentary. It's probably best known for a book called American flag, um, which in the eighties was very much, you know, criticized eighties, American eighties, cold war America. And now, uh, displeased with the state of the world very and the state so. of his country, um, has been kind of putting out through image this, you know, what he sees as a cautionary tale, but to craft a story that you want to sound alarms, you have to include unpleasant shit in it sometimes. And It's just the how unpleasant shit is yes. depicted is causing some issues. And the issue last week was when a, a brown gentleman with his genitals mutilated was strung up by a rope on the cover of your book. 
Yes. And this was the moment where people, there was another thing previously where, and granted, only issue one is out. This is something we did not speak to last week um, because comic books solicit like three week, three months in advance. Yes. Um, the cover to issue four came out and that's all they had was just the cover. Yeah. That's what people lost their mind about. Maybe rightly so. Now, Chaikin has commented. He probably shouldn't. This is not what we're talking about right now. But if you if you want to find that, I believe I in the show notes um, on Patreon, which if you even if you're not paying, you can still see. You, you can still Patreon. see, yeah. I included the link to that there. Um, is, yeah. <laughs> I think I said last week where it's like, how is he going to, res- you know, how is he responding to these criticisms? Is he going to be like, I hear you and I will try to do better? Or is he going to say, fuck it, I can do what I want because I'm an artist. He's kind of walking the ladder lane. Yeah. There. Um, it's that whole thing where like, man, you shouldn't be drawn like trans people getting the shit beat out of them and killed. And his response is like, but I knew trans people in the 80s or I knew crossdressers in the 80s. Yeah. It's not still, it's not really a counter argument, but. There is an argument for um, thinking it's important to talk about issues and depicting things. But again, it's the how you do that and the why you're doing that. And how you respond to the criticism. But anyway, yes. that is not what we're here to, here to discuss. We have a correspondent comment. Really? From someone who has read the book. Oh, really? And is brown. Okay. It's Kaim Dar, everybody. <gasps> Kaim Dar? Through the magic of Facebook. Oh, my gosh. Kaim Dar has uh, offered to you know, be the ongoing commentary for dystopian states of hysteria as a brown person, as a man, as a man of Pakistani ethnicity to let us know uh how controversial or you know how does this book affect him right in the grand in the grand scheme of things uh so this is what kayam had to say yesterday when i was speaking with him quote i haven't really been a big chicken fan tried satellite sam for four issues a few years back to study his work just didn't care for the story as a 35 year old muslim canadian cisgender male he him identifiers the comic doesn't really give me anything new in regards to the world we live in if the LGBT community was pissed at the pride cover thing, by all means, take it to the editors. We've seen editors fuck up covers badly before. Uh, black people are literally being modern day lynched in the streets. LGBT community around the world is collectively shat on by many societies. I wake up every day and I turn to my social media, hoping none of my friends have been targeted, hurt, or involved in a shooting or victimized in some way. Some people can't handle violence in comics reflecting the real world. Boo fucking who. People will chew out a white dude for making comics uh, of misery porn, but it's published in novels and given awards all the time. So I'm going to look forward to reading the next issue to see if this book is crap and if Image is pulling Marvel-style publicity by doing the controversy cover switcheroo. No, I'm not supporting the book or Chaken. I just don't care about the controversy. Charlene Zhao on the Mary Sue wrote about how brown bodies should not be used as shock fodder, but to me, there's always been a resounding lack of shock. So I'm like, where were you several Middle East invasions ago? Ah. Shots. Shots. <laughs> Shots from Kayam Dar. Wondering why you care about fictional black bodies and not having violence put on them in comic books, but don't care when drone strikes hit the Middle East. Yeah. Food for thought. Food for thought. From Mr. Kayam Dar. Thank you, Kayam. Interesting enough, the uh, cover that they put on or changed the new number cover. four, the, num- the number four cover. Um, is of a drone. It is of drones. So yeah, it's, it's a it's an eagle with, with drones with flying drones behind it. Flying right? behind it. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, again, I, we don't know. Only one issue is out. Time yeah. will keep us posted. I'm sure. And I might actually take a look as well. There you go. Yeah. Multiple multiple comments on that. Uh, one last story before we get out of here. Another update. 
of sorts. You listeners, you will recall months back, I brought in a story that was somewhat upsetting to me about from the wrestling world, even though Caitlin kind of glazes over when I bring up wrestling stories. I thought it was interesting. This was a behind the scenes sort of story about the culture in wrestling, the troublesome which, trends of the culture in wrestling. Which is fascinating. I find just cultures in general fascinating. So especially one that has such a uh, fervent fan base mm-hmm. and and sort of it speaks to a lot of different people. I think that this is a very important conversation. So this was a story about a guy named Mauro Ronaldo who was working as the play-by-play announcer on the SmackDown show. Yes. If you recall, the WWE has two shows, Raw and SmackDown. And as they are doing a brand split where they treat each show as a separate thing and never the twain shall meet, uh, each show has its own announcers, its own referees, its own storyline general managers and talent and all that sort of thing. And right. Morrow was the play-by-play guy on the SmackDown show and had long said this was a big get for the WWE and a big get for Mauro Ronaldo because he had long said he has a history in like legitimate sports boxing pride fighting that type of thing yeah he's, he's called combat sports for quite a long time and he always he's a huge wrestling fan and always wanted to get into that yes um and he did and somewhat of a controversial pick some people did not like his style of play-by-play i did i thought it really lent a air of legitimacy to uh, the product. Because he, he knew like the holds and all of that, right? Yep. And But also there's always this push and pull because Vince wants to be entertainment. Vince being Vince McMahon wants to be entertainment. Right. He doesn't want, you know, he doesn't want that move where you jump up and scissor a guy's head between your legs and flip him over. He doesn't want that called a Huracanrana anymore, which right. is the actual name of the move because it originates in Mexico. Right. He wants it called at most like a Frankensteiner because that's what it was called when like the white guys started doing it right. in the WWF. He doesn't really want the holds called that much. You think that's boring. You know, it's not exciting enough. Whereas like marks like me are like, yes, tell me the holds. If somebody pulls out a weird thing, I want to know what it's called. Like, right. But anyway, Morrow was paired up with this guy, John Bradshaw Layfield, as the color commentator. And John Bradshaw Layfield had a history of bullying and being kind of an asshole and being kind of a lifer. A guy Vince liked, so he was right. kind of untouchable. He had instances in the past where he just would be in a match and decided he didn't like a guy so he like potatoed him in the face and like meaning hit him for real Mm -hmm. um busted him open hard way which means it's not planned it's like you actually punched a guy so hard his face busted open um yeah he's done this before on a few times you know it's living the gimmick he's always worked as a heel bad guy in the ring so sometimes you you live your gimmick a little bit and you start thinking who you are in the ring and in the product is who you can be all the time in real life Mauro Ronaldo has had a long history with uh, mental illness. Yep. Bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. Called himself the bipolar rock and roller, we will recall. Um, <laughs> which is a great name. Which is a great name. You know, really trying to destigmatize the discussion around mental, mental illness. Um, so many people were connecting a few dots when suddenly out of nowhere, I think back before WrestleMania in April, um, Mauro just kind of vanished. He stopped showing up at SmackDown. He wasn't uh, calling the matches. And then a short time later, it was like, he's been released or he quit or something. Yeah. And there was never, he never spoke on what it was, but there were enough people out there who were like, well, we know JBL's history and we know Morrow's history. And when you put those two things together, is it possible that that's what happened? Right. That, that could cause a guy who like was probably being paid rather well doing a job he wanted to do more than anything else 
to walk away from it. Which is that Mara was harassing him in some way. Or that, yeah, JBL was bullying him for some reason. Oh, sorry. JB, yeah. JBL. JBL was bullying him for whatever reason. And yeah. that people had theories about that as well. That Mara put himself over once at the expense of the other, you know, broadcasters on the team. Because right. he won some poll once or something. And he was, God forbid, proud of proud of the recognition. Yeah. Um, be that as it may. So it's been a few months. Morrow gets announced as the guy who's going to be calling the Colin McGregor Floyd Mayweather fight. Oh, wow. That's a huge deal. That's a huge deal. I even know that. <laughs> that's the thing Caitlin knows. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so he's going to be calling that fight when it happens. Do you think that has anything to do with the fact that uh, a couple weeks later, Morrow was trotted out as the new play-by-play guy on NXT? The WWE's... Oh quote-unquote farm league but like their their indie their c show the show where they like you know build people up before they bring them to the main roster where like the people being trained huh um someone say it's like the purest wrestling show they have right now because right. it's real like basic because it's a, you know these people are actually being taught how to be wrestlers right so the storylines are real basic and the matches are longer and there's less bullshit st- quote-unquote entertainment the thing vince thinks people want right um why will morrow accept that deal hmm, he's off the road he just shoots into Florida a couple days a week. Yeah. And no JBL. Yeah. And pretty sure the second he got, the second he was announced as the Mayweather McGregor play-by-play guy, they were like, yo, we had him and we let him get away. Yeah. Get him back. <laughs> Find somewhere to put him. Um, So yeah, he's back and he's going to be calling NXT, which is more than likely a better fit for him. Right. Um, they do a lot of really cool shit over in NXT because they are not... The, the power dynamic in the WWE at this point is like, so Vince still rules all the main shows. Yeah. And NXT is like this little thing in Florida where they do an hour show every week and Triple H is running all that. Okay. So now you have a guy who like worked, guy who came up as a worker. People get better opportunities there and he's more kind of old school with the quote unquote booking, meaning how matches are decided. Okay. You know, it's just like the title or I want to be the best. You know, right. Like the storylines aren't stupid. Um, and they do a lot of really cool things. Like they had, it's kind of failed since they moved it up to like a larger thing, but they had um, a cruiserweight classic. Cruiserweights meaning like lighter guys, skinnier oh, okay. guys. All right. um, and they brought in people from all over the world for this tournament. And Mauro Ranallo was the play-by-play guy for that right. you know, special tournament they had. And it was really good. And it was fucking great. It was him and Daniel Bryan. It was like the most like, do you love wrestling? Yes, you're going <laughs> to fucking love this they're doing it again this summer with the may young classic Ooh. all ladies what? what soup's excited you think that has anything to do with blow oh god fuck it fuck me i don't know if they're related or not they have done a lot nxt has done a lot for making women's wrestling in like on raw and smackdown yeah like a much bigger deal like it's like the best part of the show now right which is ridiculous to think that we now live in a world where like so this girl, girl, woman, Sasha Banks, and Charlotte Flair, who is actually Ric Flair's daughter. Oh, okay. And is a beast. Nice. She's on like a fucking another level. Like she's yeah. like incredible. Um, they were headlining Raw. Cool. Like having the last match of the night. These like I quit for matches for like the women's title. Yeah. It's unthinkable like five years ago that you would have women main eventing on Raw. Me- meanwhile, I'm like, that's not weird. <laughs> this is super normal. Um. So I think they've noticed that there's kind of like, there's always kind of more of a buzz around 
the women and maybe yeah. it's you know maybe it's the monkey riding a bike syndrome where it's like hey look at them girls doing stuff <laughs> it's like a novelty thing for the audience or it's just like holy shit they just respect what these women can do so i think i think it was kind of a no-brainer for them i'm sure glow didn't hurt yeah um but they're already like bringing people in um from japan the current nxt women's champion is this woman named asuka who's just a beast the crowd literally chants Oscar's gonna kill you at the start of a match like, amazing amazing is gonna kill you <laughs> and she will <laughs> she's she's amazing um and they brought in this other woman Kairi hojo i think her name is um she just got announced as being in the may young tournament she does this elbow drop like i did was unfamiliar with her work wow normally the elbow drop is you just kind of like jump onto your side and hit somebody yeah. with the elbow she, like, jumps up but kicks her feet out front and, like, lands on her back. Oh. It's so, like, impressive looking. It looks like it would kill you if it <laughs> hits you. Like, so I'm May Young Classic. I think they're filming it right now, and it's going to air throughout July. And Soup's excited for that. That's but awesome. I'll show you a clip on break. Yeah, no, Asuka, Asuka had a last woman standing match yeah. with this other woman, Nikki Cross, and she took one of the sickest bumps I've ever seen. She took, like, a suplex onto the ramp, and, like, her head bounced off. And okay. I was like, so you guys probably think I'm just being, like fake excited no i'm actually like let me see some so, women beat each other up this is awesome i spent an afternoon once this was years ago i was totally unfamiliar with the uh, concept of joshi joshi resu or so because i study Jap- japanese now you know they don't have they just kind of sound out english words mm-hmm. so pudo resu yeah pro wrestling yeah um and joshi is women so pudo joshi or joshi pro joshi resu i don't remember how they combine the words but it's yeah it's like women's wrestling and japanese wrestling is always you know your boy shinsuke nakamura yeah um he's the king of strong style i'm making air quotes yeah because he doesn't really have like a lot of like flips and holds and shit like that he just clubs you like yeah just strong style um that was actually the the big thing last week one of the japanese promotions had a show in la which was a huge deal and their main event was this guy kenny omega who's like the king of the indies right now um and some Japanese guy Ishii, um, who just he looked like a fucking bulldozer, like the guy, the guy looked like a barrel. Like, and at one point, like that's all you need to do. These guys are actually like forearm blows to the chest, like just clubbing each other. Like, what? strong strong style lives. See, and um, I'm like, that's okay. Potatoing somebody in the face yes. when they're not ready for it, yeah, that's not okay. That's not okay. Um, when I was so I was saying like I get really excited when women kick the crap out of each other. Guys mm. kicking the crap out of each other, I'm like eh. But, like, women kicking the crap out of each other? I think I said this once, like, Kaim sent me, like, a video of, like, an M- Rodner, Rodner MMA or, or something. Some kind of, like, fighting. And I was like, this is pretty cool. Like, this is all right. Um, but I don't, like, for some reason, I don't, like, actual, like, boxing. Mm. It's something about, like, wrestling and play Maybe something a little and- theatrical where you know they're not actually trying to kill each other. Yeah. It's just like I can I love gore, but when we get to movies and they've got like to, like real life like torture, torture scenes, like even in Reservoir Dogs, I'm like, oh no, I no too real, too real. Well, let's take a break here and uh, yeah. show Caitlin some some fun clips for ten minutes. And just for everyone, just so everyone knows, when he said we're go- after this, we're going to get going. We're not actually going anywhere. No. No, we're going to go on break, which is us just like hanging out for five minutes. Yeah, I'm going to get a soda. And yeah, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get Kate's something gonna, for my throat. Kate's going to soothe her throat. And uh, so, yeah, shouts tomorrow. Welcome back. 
Um, oh, and it's a more pleasant working environment for you? Uh, good luck continuing to destigmatize mental illness. Yes. Because as both, as Jordan and I have, uh, are both on that spectrum. Um, it's a we, varying degrees. Like, yes. I don't want to over, oversell my own illness compared to people who are actually suffering with debilitating type of things. My but, level is like inconvenienced. <laughs> like, I've yeah. never not been able to get out of bed and like, you know, go to work. And I understand there are people who cannot. Well, so. as someone who's had days where she could not get out of bed and hey, go to work. there you go. Uh, I appreciate it. <laughs> it. It is important that we talk about it. And, um, and the name you've given yourself is amazing. Shouts to you, Bipolar Rock and Roller. Yeah. All right. We'll see you guys in a second. BRB. everyone and welcome back to the show. This is usually the part of the show where we talk about the things we brought each other, but like we mentioned in the first half, it's a special episode. Episode 75. Yeah. So we decided we'd do our canon. Um, I had a lot of trouble with this because <laughs> I didn't know what that definition was exactly. So we have talked before about like our faves and lightly touched maybe on like the Secret Origins episode yeah. on like the things that the things that made us this way what made us what this way made us, what, well what did this to you <laughs> weird who families you? who hurt you weird families um uh, other children <laughs> <laughs> the schoolyard yeah um so this is not a list of our faves no this is not our top 10s or our top 5s or anything like that most of the things mentioned right now there are probably things we like better Yes. But these are the things that when we saw them, we were like, oh, can I get more of that? Yeah, for sure. Um, which then leads us to find other things that we like better and just lead us into down the roads of nerdery that we currently occupy. Or the rabbit hole, as the case may be. Or the rabbit hole. So, I mean, <laughs> Webster's Dictionary defines. <laughs> what is that? What does that mean? What's that line from Community? Webster's Dictionary defines as the Jim Belushi of public speaking. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So when we talk about the canon, the definition is like sanctioned or accepted group or body of related works. So usually this is mentioned in terms of like the literary canon. Yes. Like when you're selecting the literary canon, it's like you're thinking Shakespeare, you're thinking Chaucer, you're thinking, you know, the things that are kind of like... Everything from like Shakespeare to like Moby Dick to, to Philip Roth. I don't. I don't know what the hot take on the uh, to Handmaid's on, Tale. <laughs> I don't know what the piping hot take on the literary canon is these <clears> days. <throat> you know, Pynchon. Who knows? But you know, Foster Wallace, Infinite Jest. Is that in the canon now? I don't know. Probably. I don't know. They change it all the time. They do change it all the time. The hundred books you have to read. Probably and I'm got like, a that's eh, not true. Bunch of white dudes in it. But oh yeah, be that as it may. Full of white dudes. <laughs> Full of white dudes. <laughs> <laughs> The worst party ever. <laughs> if, you, if you walk into an event and you find yourself singing that song, you should just leave. Yep. You just turn around and leave. Sidebar. Yeah. Okay. I tweeted this personally the other day. I'm going to bring it up because the, we, we know your man's a single. You know your man's, you know, fraternizes with ladies sometimes. Sometimes yes. he meets those ladies on uh, on online dating apps. Um. Sometimes one of those apps, when someone they think is compatible with you, it will alert you that yeah. they have looked at your profile. Yeah. It'll be like, bloop, 
this person checked you out. I was like, all right, I like getting checked out. Who's checking me out? Um, 90% of the time, I am not impressed or feel good about myself <laughs> just based on who's checking me out. But this one was actually like, okay, she kind of had this like, you know, pink haired rockabilly look like going to her. They have that nice aesthetic. She was cute, age appropriate, which yeah. is always a plus. Um, but buried in her, in her profile, can't wait until I'm old and can really grow into my hatred of rap music. I'm sorry. It's not music. It's just noise and samples of music you stole from legitimate artists. White people, are you still out here like this? Yeah. Really? Oh, oh, I, I know a lot of them. Are you missing the war, white people? Like it, it's over. Yeah. You lost. Rap won. Hip hop, hip hop won. Hip hop is the pop culture now. But you still gonna still gonna be salty listening well, to your Bob they Dylan still, records. They still have CMT, so <laughs> like <laughs> still hanging on. Oh my god, with your fucking Tom Waits records and shit, like <laughs> yeah. Uh, go ahead and bump your swordfish trombones. I'll be over here. We'll talk about rap music in a minute, but yes, it's just stop, white people. <laughs> just stop. Stop. Yes, the canon. So. Uh, what number or what number do we decide on? We decided on five, and well, then you wanted more. We, so what are we doing? You had said, "Oh, ten seems like a lot, so we'll do, we'll do five. And then I'm writing these lists, and there's just so much. And I just I I texted you incoherently, and I was like, <laughs> "Not five. And you're like, "What is that? Mean? No five. No ten. five. No five ten. ten. <laughs> and he was like, "What are you talking about? So we've decided ten. I've now got so, twelve on my <laughs> list. So I will. I will, once you start, I will probably be able to figure out exactly what my canon is. I I still don't <laughs> quite know what that means. Well, then but. I guess I will start. So okay. I kind of, I kind of broke mine down into like, you know, we talk frequently on the show about the thing, the things we geek down about. Yes. Um, so what are like the ground zero moments uh, in my life that got me into these things or the sort of things that like you know what define my taste kind of what are the things that i encountered the first things that i encountered maybe not the first first things but the ones where i was like oh more of that Mm. that's what i want and for comics uh i kind of have two okay and the first one is arkham asylum the graphic novel by grant morrison and dave mckean which came out in 1988 you can probably say 1988 comics as a whole um, I was two. <laughs> I was like eight. It still still should not. No, I was like 10, ten or eleven. Still should not have been reading these by mm. any means. Because um, Arkham Asylum is terrifying when <laughs> yeah. you're when you're eleven. Um, and specifically the Todd McFarlane David Michelinie run on Amazing Spider Man. Right. Um, those were the two moments where I was like, if you're 11 or 12 and you see Todd McFarlane's artwork mm-hmm. you are just like all in you are like yeah, all, all of this forever which is funny because when I was in before I was in junior high I think or maybe just around junior, no I think it was before I was in junior high and if we're t- focusing on comic books what got me into comic books is television <laughs> because I didn't have access to no one was buying me comic books mm-hmm. i wasn't ever in comic book stores i don't have i didn't have any friends so i didn't have any friends who you know write comic books um for me what it was airing on tv was spawn mm. the animated a uh, show and M- movie network friday nights or whatever and which i should not have been watching because <laughs> i was way too young 
and the Max. Yes. And both of those led me to the comics. And so Spawn number one to five mm. is like, I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> yes. Every boy of a certain age has, has Spawn one to five sitting yeah. in the, a long box in their parents' basement. Um, but of course, I didn't, I didn't know what else other people had, right? Um, and then the Max was, to me, amazing. And the Max is probably your version of what like Arkham Asylum was for me, where it was like super weird, psycholo- dark psychological yeah. type stuff. Um, the Max had a lot of stuff about like you know post trauma and a post trauma survivors and trauma and survivors things like trauma that and how things impact you and how you deal with them mm. um, and yeah it was very dark and, and psychological and weird yeah like talking heads and other worlds and that to me was fascinating and being able to see this combination of pictures and words was the way it was done there was was amazing and the thing with arkham asylum which is if you know you've never read it um or if you only know it from like the video games that came out a couple years ago which are similar but not completely the same um it's basically the inmates take over the asylum literally there's yeah. been a hostage situation at arkham asylum and they only have one demand they want batman to come and basically stay there for 12 hours type of thing right and I think it's basically like, if he lives, they let everyone go. And it was also really played with this idea of like, I think Wright Morrison really wanted the Joker to be outright homosexual or transgendered or something. Like right. he's wearing heels a mm-hmm. lot. It's illustrated by Dave McKean, who's like a painter and works with Neil Gaiman a lot. And, did. and does a lot of like almost collage looking stuff. Yeah. And this was just like completely painted. And like the first shot you see of the Joker's face, if you're 12, will haunt your dreams the lettering was really weird weird I think todd, yeah todd klein who was uh like a great letterer worked on the sandman um did that whole white on black whenever batman talked the joker was just like a red scrawl right like whenever he spoke um had weird talked about how they were trying to like treat some of batman's rogues gallery like they mm-hmm. they moved harvey dent from a coin to a dice right. to an eching but it's now it was at the point where like he couldn't make a decision like to go to the bathroom took him like 15 minutes to decide because right. he had to like lay out the I Ching <laughs> to decide, should I go to the bathroom? <laughs> and like these kind of commentary on psychology and things like that. And the, the mythos of, you know, the subtitle was a serious house on serious earth. It fleshed out all the backstory of like Am- Amadeus Arkham, the guy who founded the asylum and why he founded it and all that type of right. stuff. And I just remember at the end, there were these like, I don't even know what they were meant to be, but it was like, the last like 12 pages or something would just supposed to be like a character sheet or maybe like a diagnosis or something or like, right. Like the first one was Batman. And on one side it was like the monologue, you know, the classic monologue from, you know, Batman number one or detective comics 27, you know, criminals are a cowardly and superstitious lot. Right. Blah, blah, blah. I have to strike fear. I will become a bat. And then on the opposite side, like on the left side, it was just presented properly. But on the right side, it was like all like, jumbled and garbled and i can't even remember what it said but then at the end it was just like i i'm a bat or i will become a bat right. <laughs> at the bottom the joker just had this huge like scrawling thing that just i remember ended with laugh in the world laughs laugh in the world laughs with you type of thing and yeah. just like i was just totally fascinated by this book like completely and that's why i still read grant morrison to this day i will always check out what he's doing because this thing just had such a profound effect on me and it was like well okay so i like weird shit yeah <laughs> That's that's the main story. It was like, on the one hand, 
you have Todd McFarlane cueing you into like, oh, superheroes are kind of dope, and all the reasons that why, like, yes, I know he draws people in impossible positions, and yeah. yes, I know he maybe he's, he's he's a little too inky, and that that webbing makes no sense <laughs> when <laughs> when Spider Man is swinging through the air, but when you're twelve. It's the coolest shit ever. It's like just so vibrant and dynamic. So that's like kind of like the classic comic style. While on the other hand, you know, reading Arkham Asylum and just being like, oh, no, I like really weird Hannibal Lecter type shit, too, because I'm a weirdo only child. And I think that the television shows, the way they were done, specifically the Max, was done very much. Um, they did a lot of still frame. Mm-hmm. So they didn't wasn't super animated. They did a lot of like. Uh, just pan- almost panel shots and they almost took things exactly from the comic book um, and I think the I loved the art style I thought it was very different than anything I'd ever seen because it has a very I don't know a softness to it and a weirdness mm. um, almost like a Felix the Cat like it, it gets <laughs> so strange and inverted at times and um I liked all that and the sort of, again, the psychology of why someone is doing something mm. and what it means to be a victim. Um, and yeah, it was just a really interesting view of the world, especially at that age when you're learning more about the world mm. and that the world is not a happy place. <laughs> um, and I think that's definitely made it so that I, I, I always lean towards interesting, weird things. Mm. Maybe that's what we've got in common. We're Maybe. just both like really We're just weird stuff. Um, and yeah, and and that, like I said, led me to those comic books. I went out and specifically, when I was in junior high, looked for those comic books first. More of that. Yeah, more of that. I want more of that. And then once I got those, the Max led me to the pit. Mm. And Spawn let me to... Ooh, all them classic, <laughs> classic Gen 1 image books. Yeah. And then the Spawn and Todd McFarlane led me to other things. And I still, to this day, am not into regular superhero books. Mm-hmm. It's all the other periphery stuff I like. Or superhero books, but weird, like uh, Gotham by Gaslight. Yeah. Right? They've taken the superheroes and done something different with them. That's what I like. So cool yeah what's first up for yours well those i put those down as those actually the max and the spawn Mm. i had down um i would say i'm just gonna it's very difficult (laughs) there is a lot here when we were talking when i think about it and i may have mentioned it on my on the the secret origins episode i can't remember but the book the giver oh i don't think you did lois lowry we read it for school and I read it and I immediately was like more of this. Never read it. Um, it was one of the first sci-fi novels I re- I read. Mm-hmm. Like it is very much like a junior high, you know, grade seven. Let's talk about what's going on in this book. And I, I loved it. I loved this new world. And it was that very, it was a very lonely time in my life. So I did, search for things like at the same time you know well before that you know sailor moon we talked about sailor moon whether it was going to be on our list or lot because it was just so <laughs> fundamental mm-hmm. um but at that time sailor moon was a while ago and i'd never really found anything i'd liked in anime as much as sailor moon but i didn't have access to it yeah i was younger so i couldn't go out and get it 
um, I had to wait for stuff to be on TV, and all that was on TV was like Pokemon and Digimon, and I was like, nope. <laughs> um, Card Captor Sakura was like a little kind of kind of interesting, borderline, yeah, but not the same. Um, it was only when I finally like went out and was able to get stuff or had friends who had stuff that I started to really get more into anime. But with the Giver, I was like specifically was like. What else can I get that's like this? And Tell the people what The Giver is about, Kate. Oh. The Giver is about a society um, where everyone basically has a, a role in the society mapped out for them. They could only support a certain amount of people. Um, language is very important. Precision of language. It's actually something I say a lot. They don't have... They take stuff so that they are not emotional the children that they have are not their own children. So there's like a mother and a father and then they are given children by basically the state. Everything is regulated um, and you find out throughout the book things like no one can see in color. Everyone sees in black and white. No one they don't have any music in the society because it's basically not deemed a necessity. What happens is a young boy basically has this gift to receive memories from the giver and the giver is an old man who has all these memories in his mind collected about how things were before and why we should or should not do something so one of the first memories he gives the boy is the memory of going down the sled a sled in the snow it's a great memory the next part of that memory is breaking a bone And he can feel all that pain and suffering. And basically, a lot of the memories are very upsetting. There's memories about starvation and thirst and overpopulation. And the story is about what a society becomes when we we hide everything from people. Um, And it has a lot of... it's It's like a mini starter kit for 1984, right? Like, it's a using a future um, to describe issues in the present. Who is Taylor Swift? Taylor Swift (laughs) in the movie plays. So the giver, um, one of the, so he has to basically, the the boy is basically given like almost like a contract. Like these are the things that can happen. One of the things is he cannot be asked to be released and released again, all this very importance of language released is actually asking to die. Mm-hmm. And they release old people and they also release babies that are under like there are twins that are born at one point and the one twin has not met certain like growth goals. Mm-hmm. And they're going to release him because he might be smaller than the other children. That's basically. awful. Yes. So there are like these awful sides to the society. Well, the reason they say to this basically this this getter of knowledge you cannot be asked to be released is because the memories are so painful the last person who got them was asked to asked to die which was happened to be the giver's daughter Mm. um is that taylor swift that is taylor swift (laughs) spoilers spoilers all full of spoilers um so it was this amazing thing that i was like this this is what literature can do that's amazing this is also the time when i just i i was a very late reader so i had not been reading books Mm. i just started 
Um, so this is definitely on the list of like, after this book, I was like, what else is there? Weirdly, no one thought to be like, oh, Ender's Game. But anyways. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's probably one of the first things besides the Max and that. It, that's on my list. The Giver. The Giver. Didn't see that one coming. Yeah. Well. What about you? What's next? What is next? Let's save... But you probably all want me to talk about anime, but I'm not going to talk about anime yet. I'm going to talk about comedy. Comedy? So... Oh, man. I didn't even put that down on my list. <laughs> what are you doing to me, man? This is going to be the longest episode ever. <laughs> it really is. I'll go fast. Um, comedy, listen. We know he's a monster. But I had so many tapes of Bill Cosby stand-up. Really? As a child. Interesting. My parents had one of his albums on vinyl. Right. Um, called Why Is There Air, which included some such classics as Driving in San Francisco and football. <laughs> but, like, I had this shit memorized. And, mm-hmm. like, it's that standard thing where, like, you'd memorize them and then you'd recite them on the playground and make your friends laugh <sighs> type of thing. And, like, I just remember, like, doing it in the mirror, being, like, seven years old and, like, reciting this shit into the mirror. He was an only child and I didn't have any friends, right? Right. Uh, yeah. Hey, no, I, <laughs> you, I You know I get what that's it. about. Up top. But, yeah, like, he's a monster. We all know that. But he was a really good and funny stand-up. And I'm not going to say he should have any career, you know, anymore. That that ship has sailed. But I just remember I bought, like, a best of Bill Cosby, like, two-tape set. It had, like, you know, the Fat Albert stuff on it. and right. And The Chicken Heart, which is about him listening to scary radio plays Home Alone. <laughs> and... To Russell, my brother, whom I slept with, which was like, right. you know, story about him sleeping two to a bed. Yeah. I don't want to talk about, that's not what I'm really talking about. It's like the canon. The canon for me, I remember linking up with a few of my friends one day and they were cracking all these jokes and just making themselves laugh. And they're talking about like Mr. T. Right. And, and Aunt Bunny and Gus. And why do you make the fire so big, Gus? And the ice cream man. Uh-huh. And singing these songs. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? We're like, oh my God, we watched Delirious. Oh. Eddie Murphy's first stand-up special, Delirious. Which, if you watch it today, yeah, problematic. Very much so. There was some... <laughs> we didn't know a lot about AIDS back then. We didn't know a lot about <laughs> treating homosexuals as people Yeah, back then. Um, and bear in mind, he was like 20. Yes. So, you know, 20 year olds who know all these things now who are kind of idiots and say stupid shit. Who are the worst. Imagine if you're a 20 year old and getting paid to make people laugh on stage. Uh, Be that as it may. I then linked up with my friends again a week later and they still had the like, you know, they had on like a week long rental type thing from the the video shop. Mm -hmm. And they put it on. And I do not remember ever in my life laughing harder than I did. While watching Eddie Murphy's Delirious for the first time. Right. Like, was going to die. <laughs> like, could not breathe. The only thing closer was maybe when I first saw the South Park movie in the theater. And, like, the Uncle Fucker song started right. up. And I was, like, in the fucking aisle dying laughing. Because, you know, I'm a fucking boy. <laughs> um, and the thing I always remember, if you've never seen Delirious, listen, I'm telling you right now, there's going to be some stuff you're going to be like. I've, I've then shown Delirious to people. Yeah. I've been like, you've never seen Delirious? And we put it on and it's like, oh, that stuff about Mr. T getting fucked in the ass and stuff. It's like, yeah, maybe we just skip ahead. If you skip ahead, 
to like where he talks about James Brown. Yeah. And how nobody can understand what James Brown was saying. I will wa- I will always die watching that. To this day. I think of his face when he laughs like James Brown and I start, <laughs> start fucking laughing right now. Um what somebody pointed out once, like he leads comedy generally, you know, dirty sex shit yeah. is easy laughs yeah. usually. So you put it at the end. You close with that. He opens with his dirty sex shit. Yeah. And closes with like 30 minutes on his family about like a fucking barbecue. Was there, was this the one, was Delirious the one about the Lego and eating the, or was no, that, that, that was that in was, Raw. Okay. That was in Raw, which is far inferior. Raw has okay. its moments. Um, no, that was about, <laughs> was about his, his drunk father uh, <laughs> talking about how his, his parents, he didn't have anything and his parents worked at the Milton Bradley company. Yeah. And all the, <laughs> I'd eat the fucking toys, Eddie. <laughs> um, no, this was the barbecue with Aunt Bunny and Uncle Gus. Okay. And Aunt Bunny falling down the stairs. <laughs> every summer, my Aunt Bunny would fall, every barbecue, my Aunt Bunny would fall down the stairs. <laughs> you were coming just say, oh, Lord Jesus. My shoe. Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's the reaction you should have, Sorry. Caitlin. It actually seems quite funny. Like he he closes with this and right. thought you know about how his mother used to hit him with a shoe or about like his brother taking his brother Charlie taking a shit in the toilet like <laughs> shit in the toilet shit in the bathtub. Right. Um, he closed with the family stuff mm-hmm. and it slayed more than the like easy Mister T getting fucked in the ass yeah. type of jokes. Um, like I watch stand up because of and I'm fascinated by stand up. Started with Cosby, but. I don't consider that like my canonical item. Like to me, it's delirious. Right. Like, that's just, that's, that's the one you could take. If I never had to, if that's the only stand up special I could watch for the rest of my life, yeah. I would be totally fine with that. I would have no complaints. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to take your lead on okay. these because you seem to have thought about this and really worked this out. Not really. Much it was like better. 10 minutes this morning. But. Just say yes. Yes, okay? Caitlin. Thank you. Um, so I'm going to go with comedy, which is not even something I thought about. And I hope I'm guessing you might have music in here, which music will yeah, okay. Music will be I can't even get into music, <laughs> so I'm just gonna focus on so comedy. And I had forgot about this, and it is such a huge part of of what I watch and love. And I know a lot of people are like, "Oh, British comedy," and this will come up later. There, that you know, and Douglas Adams will come up later. Um, that must be why she loves British comedy, but that is not the only place I got it from, right? Like there's a, there's a Venn diagram and on part of it is like kind of the silly, bizarre British English thing. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side is this Scottish humor, which they're not, what is Scottish? They're not the same. So I don't know why I was because I was a lonely kid in my house. <laughs> this is what we keep coming back to. Yeah. Uh, I was going through my dad's tapes and I came across uh, a tape, some stand up comedy and I put it on. You talk about rolling in the aisles. I couldn't breathe. I thought I was going to die. And my dad stopped and I guess I was listening to it in my room and listened outside for a bit and then knocked on my door and I'm my door in tears and like hyperventilating. And he was like, is that Billy Connolly? It's Billy Connolly. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it is. Um, and my dad, uh, the next week borrowed some vinyl 
from mm-hmm. a friend at work so that I could listen to it. it back when we had comedy albums, people. That's yes. the only way you could hear this shit. Yes. Um, and again, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't handle it. Um, the hardest I've ever laughed is at a B- Billy Connolly show. <laughs> I, I couldn't function. <laughs> there, there were twice. A Billy Connolly show, I've been to two or three of them. And um, he had a specific, I, I, I don't know the name of it, um, but he's basically performing and there's a lot of like famous people in the audience. Mm-hmm. And now that I watch it now, I'm like, oh, it's some parts of it are still funny. But at the time, and it could partly be because my dad was beside me and he was losing mm-hmm. it. It couldn't <laughs> breathe. But no one has no stand up comedian has ever made me laugh as hard. And part of it is that Scottish comedians have a very um, they talk about a lot of stuff in their own life. Mm. Right, it's not these uh, scenarios, these made-up scenarios. It's people they know, things that have actually happened, real-life experiences. There's one bit about um, that they were starting to sort of like uh, tear down these tenements, and they had a lot of them. And um, someone had uh, they would take off the doors and use them as a fence, <laughs> um, and how. <laughs> one point these people started taking the doors for their own like apartments and stuff because they were better doors and like they put on one of these uh these doors to the at the time none of the tenements had inside washrooms you had to go outside mm-hmm. and they put put one of the really nice doors on the outhouse <laughs> and how you could just see someone like going in robbing the place and being like oh jesus christ this place is a shithole and just the way he talked about it and described it I could never do it justice. It just made me lose my mind. Um, And I never heard anything like that. And that makes up so much of why I love comedy and what I find funny. And I have like just listening to Scottish comedians. And again, it's very and so many people have been impacted by Billy Connolly. You can sort of see it sort of run through a lot of British stuff. Um, and Scottish stuff. So he's definitely on my list. I know there's no like w- one to ten. Like there's no, <laughs> it's all just a, a it's all just mash. A mash. It's a mash of stuff. Um, but yeah, he's definitely on the list. Billy Connolly. Yeah. Shouts to you, friend. Well, um, let's go music next. Distinctly have the memory. I don't know when. Like, how do you even become a fan of music as a child? Like, how does it... I can tell you. Um, well, what was it for you? Madonna. <laughs> Madonna? I was in a Madonna literally from the age of one to... <laughs> I think I was in grade eight when I finally got a different album. No, it was grade seven. But was that something you came to on your own? Or was, like, Fiona listening to it no. and passing it on no, to you? No, Madonna was the my, house or... my thing. Because definitely have those things where, like, me and Phil Collins is, like... Because my parents were into it. Oh like, yeah, you, like, you you get stuff from your parents. You know, her Genesis and solo Phil Collins in the house. My, I wish I still had it. It would be like a great relic. Yeah. Because you think back, God, my mom would have been younger than I am now. Um, but like she had a tape of like music videos, and these are like prime eighty four to like eighty six wow. music videos. She was just tape music videos of of songs she liked. Yeah. It's like all those classic Phil Collins videos journey steve perry solo shit like i know a lot of people who got you know genesis and phil collins i got rod stewart from my dad mm. and i got like linda ronstad from my mom the one that still stays with me is probably hollow notes i got that from my 
I got that from my parents. Mm. Um, but, you know, the one moment, the moment that then led to, you know, confused discussions with my father for like the next five years yeah. was, was when, when the rap music came to town. <laughs> and there were two moments. There's one that's obvious and one that's not. I'll talk about the not obvious moment uh, first, which is the Fat Boys. The Fat Boys, um, because similar to idol groups now, rap groups had to have gimmicks right. back then. And uh, what was better than fat rappers? Let's get fat rappers. <clears throat> yeah. Um, the Fat Boys were a trio. Um, I think I still remember their names. Prince Markety, Cool Rockski, and Buffy the Human Beatbox. Amazing. Um, and the Fat Boys kind of had a moment when I think, what the fuck was it? Wipeout? They did like a cover of Wipeout. Right. <laughs> and like the Beach Boys were on it. And like in grade six, this like bubbled up mm-hmm. and somebody went out and bought the tape and like that tape made its way around. Of course. Um, and it's not like I was hearing like classic samples through this type of thing. Um, but it was just the fat boys don't get enough credit, I think for being like one of the rap music could exist in white households if it was safe. Right. Right. Um, even the beastie boys were borderline not safe because they were talking about drinking and partying and, yeah. and being menaces <laughs> type of thing. Uh, but the fat boys were pretty harmless. Yeah, they're fat. They just want food. Hey, that's everybody loves that. <laughs> um, and the other one, obviously, was Raising Hell by Run DMC because it had the Aerosmith Walk This Way collabo. Right. Where, you know, your parents would be like, I know that song. It's got some black people muttering over it, but I know that song. Yeah, that's fine. Whatever. That's not what we're going to talk about here because everybody on the playground yeah. was all about Walk This Way. Two songs before Walk This Way is something called Peter Piper. Right. Which is the first song on Raising Hell. And it's just the... The Bob James "Take Me to the Mardi Gras" "Take Me to the Mardi Gras" break um, with some 808 drums over it, and Daryl and Joe talking about their DJ with basically like nursery rhymes over top of it, and that classic like old school, each one says a word type of thing, you right. know, trading lyrics back and forth. And it's just that bing 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 bing, just classic b boy shit, and that was. Like, Mind blown. It's like, what is this? I want to hear that in my brain all the time, every day. Like, yeah. Raising Hell, like, Peter Piper was everything. If you want to ask why I even care about breaks and, like, samples and anything like that to this day, it's because Peter Piper was, like, and the why I even, like, listen to rap music is because of hearing the Bob James Mardi Gras break on Peter Piper for the first time and just being, like... What do I have to give you to take this tape home and copy it? <laughs> Elvin. Elvin Brat. Elvin. Um, his name um, wasn't Corey. <laughs> <laughs> no shots at the Corey. Sorry, we didn't even talk about that. But I got friends. I got a neighbor uh, in my building, apparently, who, while I was, you know, enjoying my one splurge of the weekend, which was a large uh, iced coffee from Tim's. Yeah. Because, you know, we're poor after the dentist till payday. And, yeah. Be- and also, Bell wants all my money. Splurged on that, you know, $3 for a for a large iced coffee sitting on the stoop writing up notes for this week's episode Corey, who lives in the basement comes out in sleep pants flip flaps and nothing else decides he wants to chat it up with your mans and make friends and as we know jordan doesn't like to chat because when you know i'm when you look at my face that's the first thing you think is you know open and welcoming yeah so thanks Corey. Jeez, Corey. although that tip on the uh on the on the fan that will actually uh actually has a temperature setting on it apparently and you don't have to put it in your window uh-huh. so maybe it'll cool this place down and you know the landlady won't jack my rent it was a solid tip Corey. 
Amazing. So I'll be checking that out at Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, Corey. <laughs> thanks, Corey, actually. And thanks, Run DMC. See, that's so nice. I, I don't have music on this list. That's a whole other conversation. Um, what did make my mind explode, as I spoke about, was Douglas Adams. Yep. And Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It all comes back to Douglas Adams. So after The Giver, there was this time where I just kind of absorbed <laughs> books. Like, I just would go in and be all like... All the books. All the books. I knew where The Giver was. This kid stuff. I want... <laughs> I want done with that. And I was watching like super grown up movies at this point. So I was like, I want grown up things. And Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was sort of around. I don't know if it was just in our house or a friend or someone. I didn't have friends. Uh, let's just be honest. <laughs> a classmate had it. I can't remember, but I was interested and I got it and I read it and I was like this. I need all of this. That's basic. I don't even have to talk to any more about it. That was basically it, um, and that's things like that reminded me of it were that were very important. Um, Red Dwarf, mm. which brought me. It sort of like it was like Hitchhiker's Guide, Red Dwarf, and then I kind of all of a sudden anything that was like that TV wise and British. And and Red and Douglas Adams' Red Dwarf led me to Doctor Who, because Doctor Who was on after Red Dwarf. <laughs> um, but it all reminded me of Hitchhiker's Guide and just being absurd and weird and wacky and wonderful. Um, he come before Pratchett? I mean, just in general? Uh, same-ish time, I believe. Hmm. I mean, Pratchett's been writing the Discworld, or was, had been writing the Discworld stuff for ages. The first Discworld is terrible, as I will tell anyone. <laughs> as you told me when I read Going Postal. Yeah. Um, but I, I can't remember. I think they're around the same time. Around the same time. Before my time. That's all I know. I uh, Actually, at Anime North, I got some uh, Easter egg deep cut knowledge about Hitchhiker's Guide, actually. Ooh, really? Was that one of the, like, you know, game show panel type events and, you know, somebody... One of the questions on there was like, what's the meaning of life? And everybody hollers out from the, everybody hollers out 42 from, yeah. from the audience. And the person who was being asked the question, actually, I'm going to butcher it, but actually said that the inside joke of that is that 42, if you break it down into ASCII, oh. becomes like a asterisk. Yeah. Which is used as like a placeholder or anything you want. Yeah. Like the meaning of life is anything you want. Yeah. Deep cuts. I, I, I knew that. Yeah, I'm sure you yeah, already knew that. that. Yeah. It was the first time I heard it was at Anime North. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Douglas Adams. I have read them, but I only read the uh, I only read the first. No, I did read so long. Thanks for all the fish. Yeah, it that's was far. A, like, but there's been like mostly harmless came out after that. It was yeah. Most harmless was the fifth one of the trilogy. <laughs> they got up to six, didn't they? I thought there was one after mostly harmless. Uh, six, I don't or think maybe was, something that was done. Yeah, wasn't done by Anthony him. Horowitz. Wrote something based yeah. on a half finished manuscript he left lying around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, even when you didn't know what the can what we meant by canon, I was like, well, it's Douglas Adams for you. Like, yeah. I feel like any British. Air quote humor. <laughs> you brought, you've brought me. Ooh, that was that was a <laughs> low blow. Shots all low stems back blow. to Douglas Adams with that absurdist, like dry humor. And things, you know, just things like like bring a towel or how you fly is that you forget you're falling. I do remember that. Yes. Um, you, or you forget to hit the ground or something. Like, yeah, and just you get distracted midway down, and then yeah, all halfway of a sudden, down you get distracted by something and you fly because you yeah. forgot to hit the ground. Um. So. Yeah, all of that is, it's why I love Mighty Boosh, it's why, like... Marvin the Paranoid Android. Like. All of that comes from there. 
but yeah, I just, and I just loved his writing and I loved being, it was just like a warm blanket. I was like, this is my peeps. <laughs> or tell. Or yeah, a warm, big towel. One of those, one of the, what are they called? Oh, they're like the super large towels. <laughs> Anyways, they're good. They're good. Yeah. Well, at the expense of having this episode go like, you know, nine hours long. I'll do these two rapid fire one because it's just Caitlin kind of mentioned it. And I had on here with a blank under it um, stories. Cause we mentioned before that just kind of like our show's really just about stories yes. in general. And as far as like thinking about stories, you know, despite being an English major and, you know, having taken literary theory in my day and things of that sort and thinking about narrative and stories and fancying yourself a writer to a certain extent, really as far as like what it, what is the canonical like meta show about stories for me yeah. Yeah, yeah it's community community is comfort food it is the sitcom i've probably watched more than anything else it is if i really pay attention to it the show i will get something else out of it every time i watch it yeah um seasons two of three and community are like basically unimpeachable to me they will always be <laughs> <laughs> random images pop into my head now <laughs> fucking Troy comes in with an ATV, comes in the study room with an ATV, whips his helmet off and says, good news, guys, spent all my money. <laughs> Troy, you can't have that in here. Uh, yes, I can, dummy. It's all terrain. <laughs> like, I adore that show so much. And when you learn about that show and you learn about Dan Harmon's insanity um, as a creator of stories and the whole story circle thing and the way he lifted joseph campbell and tried to like come up with a unified theory of storytelling like through yeah. the show while using these sitcom tropes and subverting these sitcom tropes at the same time like you take for granted now that they had a clip episode which was a standard of 80s you know sitcoms yeah which is the you know yeah where you had those like remember the time we did this and they just run a clip but in community none of those things actually happened no. like <laughs> so you were watching it, it's like remember that when we spent a night in the haunted mansion and it's like what They're, like if you were watching that the first time and i had the, no idea what was happening and the uh oh the saint patrick's day <laughs> <laughs> the, the raft yeah make fun uh, of me if you want to cartoons have taught me if you, do, if you puncture a raft it goes faster um yeah and just or like the bottle episode with was that the bottle episode or like the lost pen the lost pen and then seeing the flip side of all of the th- times they had these episodes, like the bottle episode, where it impacted other students, yeah. that was fantastic. The first episode I saw, I don't even know how I came to it. I came to it during third season, and I know the first episode I ever watched was the ho- it was a Halloween episode, mm-hmm. third season. So it was the one where like they were just kind of having a party in the study room type of thing, or they were going to go to like another party later on. Um, but Britta had run these like, like personality evaluations yes. and they came back suggesting someone was a serial killer yep. or like a, like a psychotic. And so she wanted everybody to like tell stories. So they start telling the stories, yep. but then they're depicting like what they're actually saying and the way like the narrative would impact like Abed's story. The radio announcer is like completely <laughs> <laughs> like, like he's doing like a teenage what he's trying to view is like a logical teenage horror type, you know, yeah. cabin in the woods type of story, which is also the first time daybreak plays yes. that song. Yeah. 
which plays throughout the rest of the comes back throughout the yeah. season multiple times. Um, but it's, like, it's like it was like that kiss was enjoyable. Should we do it again? No. <laughs> let's listen, listen to music and maybe get some information. Let's listen to the radio and maybe get some information. And then they just sat there, <laughs> blank faced. And Gillian Jacobs' face in that scene is makes me howl every time because she's just so dead faced <laughs> while this stupid smooth jazz is playing <laughs> and then it cuts to D- Abed humming the song yeah. and Troy dancing to the side <laughs> yeah. dipping his fingers to the side until somebody goes Abed like I was watching it like what is that I mean all of this what is this show um so that's one. And I encounter people now who are like I've never seen community. Like it is sitting everywhere. It's basically like, you know, it's the show that's on every service. And right I now. just like, think it's so important. I just think it's such a good like if you want to be a writer of television, watch community. Watch community. And try and do everything they do. And just really pay attention to how they break things down because it's it's unbelievable. And like I said, on Amazon's got seasons five and six, so I'm digging back into those again. Um, because yeah, there's an episode where somebody dies and like a will is read. It's one of like the, it's an insane episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so that's one you care about anime people. You want to hear about anime. This is what you're here for. What made Jordan an anime fan? You think I'm going to say Sailor Moon and yes, that's part of it. You think I'm going to say Akira cause I got a tattoo down my back and then that's part of it too, but that's not what I'm going to pick. It's not. That's my canonical item. Because Sailor Moon was kind of one thing, but I didn't expect... I like Sailor Moon of its own merits. I didn't think Sailor Moon was going to lead me on to other things. Akira, I just viewed as like a film. And I was really into Akira in itself, not anime as a thing. Right. Um, This thing is what made me go, oh, anime is on one. And Mm -hmm. I need to keep checking for what is out there in the world. And that is Neon Genesis Evangelion. I feel like there should be like a fanfare mm, or something. I'll show that. I'll put in a clip of that choir singing the theme song. <laughs> um, so this was a, I don't even know when it came out sometime in the nineties. Um, you are really like flagging yourself as a fan of a certain generation. If you mention Ava, as it is colloquially known uh, in any, in any of your top fives, um, most fans today know it now because it's kind of getting redone and refigured as a uh, as a movie tetralogy. It's a four part movie series. Um, the first three are out. The fourth part, nah, maybe whenever. Yeah. Uh, by the third movie, it really diverges from the television series and how that played out. Uh, basically, what you have with this was. Um, a third of life on earth got wiped out in something called the second impact. Yep. Um, come to find out kind of what the second impact is. And now it's like 15 years later and, uh, angels are attacking Tokyo. Yeah. Um, they don't look like angels. Nope. As you expect them to look, they look like weird bird skull face things. Robot things. Um, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes they look like a pyramid. Sometimes they look like a snake. Sometimes they, yeah, look like a whale thing it's super weird um and our only defense against the angels are these things called evangelions which are giant robots with extension cords yeah Um, didn't figure out a battery system had had to power them jeez guys um and as is always the case because it's anime can only be piloted by 14 year old children of course um who get submerged in this fluid Mm mm-hmm 
So, it's submerged in fluid, a womb-like thing. Angels, when they explode, there are crosses. Come to find out that Hideaki Anno, a name that comes up on this show multiple times, in his other work, most recently he did the last Godzilla movie, um, basically all the Christian mythology type stuff that's in Evangelion is just shit he thought looked cool. Cool. It has, like, no meaning. Awesome. Like, when you see the Jewish tree of life show up in the sky, you yeah. just thought that kind of looked cool. Cool. Threw that in there. Um, it's just like a white guy using Japanese things <laughs> in his movie. So the thing about Ava is it starts playing out as a standard kind of, you know, he's got daddy issues. The joke in fandom now is like Shinji getting the robot because he always spends. <laughs> yeah. He spends episodes on end. Should I pilot Ava? Should I not pilot Ava? Ava's probably his mom. Probably. Um, <laughs> there's weird clones. There's a white thing with a mask on it crucified in the basement of this facility that the Avas are in. Yeah. Um, and about halfway through, um, due to budget, critical reception, Ano kind of had a moment. Uh-huh, yeah. Psychologically. Uh-huh. <laughs> kind of had a, uh, had some anxiety, had some depression, had yeah. some, had some stuff he had to work through. So he just worked through it in the show. <laughs> yep. And halfway through the show, it gets way weirder and much more psychological and here we are again with the weird stuff again yeah and infamously and i mean we don't need to break down all the spoilers so the crux of it is you know there's they are fighting the angels because they're trying to prevent third impact third or fourth i remember when fucking impact they're on but i yeah um and listen i deep dove you want to talk about fucking deep diving i deep dove this show so hard so i'm going off of like basic what i'm remembering there where it's like there were two types we'll call it third impact um the fuck did they die in third impact is that the one everyone got across i think like when the, like second impact was when the i think yeah it's fourth that's a fourth second impact was when the, was the meteor that killed the dinosaurs mm-hmm. um third impact was the thing that happened that killed a third of humanity right and i think they're trying for fourth impact and there's two types of fourth impact. There's a fourth impact that's going to kill everybody. And there's a fourth impact that's going to make everybody uh, the founders from Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Where everybody is just one and no one's alone anymore. And, yeah. And the AT or absolute terror field, which I'm sure is just a phrase he's, <laughs> they came up with because it's like, it sounds cool. English people are like, dear God, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> um, this is the wall that keeps souls apart, basically. It's mm-hmm. like your body. Um it's also the shield that the angels have that they're always trying to, like, break through. And, you know, these organizations, Nerve and Zele, yeah, are, you know, one's trying to, like, prevent the third, fourth impact, whatever impact, and one's trying to, like, make it happen. We'll just call it the impact. And the rumors are, like, the dude who looks like a cyborg who runs Sele is actually, like, the wandering Jew, and he's trying to make, like, fourth impact happen so he can, like, finally die type of thing, like... That's what he's been working for millennia to try to do. This is great, crazy shit. Um, yeah. But basically, it's all these questions, all these things are happening. It's a 26 episode television series, which is now out of print, which seems ridiculous to me. Like that you can't seems, find it anywhere. That seems all you can ridiculous. Get, all you can get are the movies. That's weird. Um, so you got to find the shit on eBay or sale the high seas. Um, 26 episodes. Episode 24, 25 and 26. It's basically Shinji, our main character, just kind of hanging around on a stage talking because they ran out of money. <laughs> it's so weird. And you hear about these crazy battles that are happening and yeah. you see people dead. <laughs> you see people 
floating with a gunshot wound in like a pool like you see all this stuff alluded to but meanwhile shinji's just like hallucinating and talking to people about like how to live his life or i don't even fucking remember and they like use other clips from earlier in the show they use just like and... storyboard clips like, it's, yeah, it's so like they're weird. trying to make do with what they have so this is part of your canon because also many people obviously many people had a problem with this ending yes they wanted a real ending so they put out the movie the end of evangelion yeah which was the biggest fuck you to fans it's like you want an ending okay everybody dies yeah Everybody dies. Yeah. Masato gets, like, exploded. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody explodes into a pool of, like, you know, this goo. Yeah. The founder's goo. You see them all, like, just... You see the the Liliths come for them, and, like, they explode into goo. <laughs> like, as Shinji is left to decide, is this what you want? And the fate of humanity rests with, like, a 15, 14-year-old boy. Yeah. And I think I mentioned once on the show before... In one of his, you know, many psychobilly freakouts in the course of that episode. Now, that said, people always say the two aren't compatible. I think you've said that. Mm-hmm. I maintain that episodes 24 and 20, or 25 and 26, you can position those in the movie while he's having one of his... It's just like extra psychobilly freakout. All I remember is that I was like, I'm so done. <laughs> like, the whole time I was watching it, I was like, I'm done. I've been done for ages. But there's like a moment where it goes like live action for five minutes and included in there is like... Some of the death threats Anno got after. Oh yeah, you told me about this. I didn't remember this at all. You'll see like a clip of a screen, and it says yeah. Diano on it. Yeah, um, it's just the biggest middle finger to fans, and I kind of love and respect that so much. And just as far as like not having any nothing in my life that I was watching was trying to do something like this, right? As batshit crazy or unsuccessfully as it was. Like, the end of Ava is, like, fucking... So, (laughs) when we last see her in the TV show, fan favorite Asuka... Yeah. Let's talk about this scene for a moment as far as, like, holy shit, middle fingers up to the world. For or against. I just am impressed with the effort, even if I don't endorse the product. Um, When we last see Asuka, she has, like totally gotten in her own head she's like basically in a coma she's like unable to pilot her ava yeah um she's been in a coma and shinji's very attached to asuka he wants to protect her he wants them to protect each other type of thing and he is like he's not piloting ava the angels are still coming the government is now about to storm the facility and like take control of the the program yeah and shinji just wants asuka to wake up just wants asuka to wake up and he's shaking her and he's and she's in the hospital bed and she's like wake up asuka wake up and he, like, pulls her. Then her tit falls out of her hospital gown. And then there's a wide shot across some across some doors and some lights. You hear some kind of noise that you can't quite understand. And then you see uh, Shinji with jizz on his hand. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And telling himself he's disgusting. <laughs> you gotta have some fucking balls to make that the first five minutes of your movie of this thing that people said they wanted i don't endorse it i don't endorse the scene i have many problems with the scene but at the same time you just you have zero fucks at this point and i had never seen anything that would do that and that was the moment that whole series franchise was the moment where i was like well what the fuck else are y'all up to japan 
And then it begun. And then that's that's how we, despite some pauses over the years, yeah, that's how that's how we get here. And frankly, come for me, fans. I ain't seen nothing like that since. I I, I maintain people are always like, oh, you know, anime's not worse than it was then. None of these shows that we are on right now, like we're still talking about Ava twenty years later. Wow, I'm old. We are old. God. Anyway. Blabbed about that for too damn long. We'll be cutting some of that. <laughs> um, okay, so I've decided to again, so that we're not at like three hours. Um, I've decided to squish some things together. Squish them. There is a trifecta mm-hmm. of things that got me into sci-fi. Star Trek, mm-hmm. Star Wars, mm-hmm. and Dune. <laughs> So, and for all different reasons, uh, Star Wars definitely came first. Star Wars definitely came first. Yes. Um, I watched Star Wars when I was like five. Nicole, who was awesome, was like, hey, do you want to come into my house and watch Star Wars? And I was like, I don't know what that is. Okay. She's like, got like Muppets. And I was like, cool. I'll just let my parents know. But see, this is how we talk about how the canon, you know, what's canonical. I saw Jedi when I was like five years old. Yeah. I was like, meh. So I watched the first Star Wars movie. I'd never seen anything like it. And I was like, what the hell? And that kind of started this, like, I like things that are take place in space. And I want to know more of those stories. Second thing, uh, Star Trek. Diplomacy. Um, which I started watching because my stepmother at the time said she liked it and would kind of watch it and so it was kind of on in the background and I thought it was like a grown-up show and I didn't like it at first and then found it again and was like oh my god I've been missing out this whole time the third thing is Dune and that was at this like junior high when I started reading a ton Mm. after The Giver Dune and I'm I was just like oh my god this man is insane (laughs) Frank Herbert, you are a maniac. And making this entire world and all this diplomacy and all these different factions fighting, I hadn't seen that before. In Star Wars, you got this good, bad versus, I mean, um, evil versus good thing. In Star Trek, you've got this, let's all be friends. Dune was like, oh my god, everyone's going to murder each other. It's great. Um... (laughs) And that is basically like the story of from then I was like, I need, I just, I just was like a a Hoover. Like I just was a vacuum. (laughs) I just was like as much as possible. I wanted to read and take in, um, because it sort of made this sci-fi is very complicated. There are so many different types of sci-fi, but that's why I still love these visions of the future and going into space and exploration. And all of that is from that trifecta of things it wasn't just one of them it was what sci-fi could be in a whole bunch of different ways it was much more succinct than my rambling about anime i i I don't know what to say as we know i just like the things i like (laughs) um if you want i can i can go on a little bit from there so i've talked a lot about Mm sci-fi not talked a lot about fantasy which is a whole other like half of the the thing but I would say that fantasy from a, a modern kind of perspective, mm-hmm. 
Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, really? Yes. Um, Buffy changed my life in so many ways. It was the first... And we talked about this, I think, before. Um, it was the first show that was, like, for my age group. Um, and I remember watching and being excited for it happening, right? Like, I, now we all know when something's going to premiere. Yeah. But back then, it, we didn't really know, right? Not really, like, no. There, were, there was no internet there was no like you know we weren't getting constant updates from our phones about things we might like um i don't know how i knew i must have maybe my mom read something and said something about it i'd seen the movie Mm -hmm. ages before this but definitely buffy changed my life buffy was just like this amazing girl and there were vampires and this was i had read Anne rice so you know Mm -hmm. you know and was a teenage girl so like or almost teenage girl, so vampires were amazing. And she fought things, and she had cool, nerdy friends, and there were books involved, and I was just, like, there. And there were, like, spells and shit, and I was like, oh, I'm so there! <laughs> Don't understand! And that, also, that television-wise, since then, I was just hungry for anything that was like it. And we had to wait for a really long time. All you people, you got all kinds of stuff now. You had to wait. Wait. It's ridiculous. All right. Anyways, yeah. So that, that they're there. Those are a couple of them off the list. I probably have like 13, not 10. But anyways, so what's what's next on yours? Nothing. That's it? That's all of them. That's all of them? Well, then I've got one last one. All right. Hit me. Batman the Animated Series was like a unbelievably pivotal point of my childhood Mm. it influenced so much (laughs) i can't even explain to people it was like everything i watch is like is it as good as batman the animated (laughs) series (laughs) every cartoon every like there was just so much good storytelling maybe it was my age Mm. but i never seen storytelling like that. It even impressed upon me, like, stylistically, like, what I like. Mm. And I have Noir-ish. a fondness for Art Deco. Noir-ish shit. Noir-ish Art Deco. Uh, detective stories. Mm. I mean, that's part of it comes from that as well. Um, and I, I don't know how old you would have been. I was in high school. So you probably meant nothing to you. No, I still watched it every oh, day. okay. Um, we were all watching it. It and Animaniacs every, uh, every yes, afternoon. Yes, exactly. And it just, and Freakazoid would come on after. <laughs> Less Freakazoid for me. but Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was such a huge thing. And it really impacted. And having the the Batman movies come out right before. Yeah. Like, I, those were very much in my mind. But I saw them on television on, you know, Saturday nights when they'd play them. Um, I didn't go out to see it in the theater. I was too young, right? Like, the first Batman movie came out in 89. I was three. No, I was saying a three-year-old to see Batman. I think I actually, full circle, I think I actually bought Arkham Asylum, or heard of Arkham Asylum, because that was a graphic novel, and where the hell did you get graphic novels, right? Like, right. Especially in small-town Canada. Like, they weren't at the bookstore. There yeah. were no comic stores. I think I actually bought it at, like, a Barnes & Nobles when we were doing, like, a cross-border shopping Ooh. trip. Um but I bought like some commemorative cash in magazine on like the Batman movie, just about Batman in general. Right. 
and somewhere in there we're like Batman comics and like that's where I heard about the killing joke for the first time that's where I heard about Dark Knight for the first time mm-hmm. and that's where I heard and I think Arkham Asylum was in there too yeah I don't know if I saw first Burton Batman in the theaters definitely had it on video and watched it a lot i have it on video and <laughs> i watched uh batman and batman returns like all the, every every christmas basically <laughs> is like november december those are my movies the batman movies um animated series also holds up to this day yeah you fire up one of those and it's just it's just good times these are like classic one and done like batman superhero stories like yeah. to this day they still hold up. You can still go back. Is it still sitting on Netflix? That's going to ruin my life if it is. I'm going to want to dip back I, into some of those. I don't think so. I think I would have stopped and... <laughs> it, it was for a while, but yeah, they're still... Yeah, we were watching it. It was every every day the Nerd Brigade would like commiserate about the previous afternoon's uh, episode of Batman the Animated Series. And see, I didn't have anybody to talk to about this. <laughs> I swear, if I had any nerdy friends, I my life would have been completely <laughs> different. Um, I, I really... I'm sad that I was the wrong age and gender and for, for comic books mm. basically as a, as a, no one thought to get a, a girl, some comic books. Maybe I would have read sooner. Mom, a good, good, good girl, a good, good, good girl. Um, and now I have to like try and I have to, I can only do one offs, right? Like I can't do a series. No one can give me a series. Cause I'm like, eh, I can't do it. It's too much. <laughs> so I have to take like, dip my toe in every once in a while but yeah that's kind of my canon i think it's a pretty good canon i think we covered a lot yeah yeah how'd you like that guys that's Two how hours that's how we got here and guess what we're still gonna hit you with some updates real fast Ooh. do you have anything um i have one hour left of uh american gods Oh, final ep. How are you feeling about the season as a whole? Um, it's a hot mess. Ooh, jeez. <laughs> like, and we'll get into that more after you've seen the final episode. Yeah. But Caitlin McKinnon says it's a hot mess. Um, what do we know? A uh, second trade of Monstrous is out. I have not super dug into it. I've probably read about half of it. I haven't. But, uh, that is out there that I saw. I'll probably try to get to that this week. Uh, finished the season of Little Witch Academia. Oh, my God. Was it good? So sweet. Was it comf? So comf. Excellent. Um, I'm not going to say whether or not I have gone ahead, because we know there are more episodes out there. Oh, I see. <laughs> that are not currently yeah, available on Netflix. No, definitely not that. I will say, if you're watching it on Netflix and you think this is just a one and done bottle story thing every uh, every week, yeah, uh, definitely on the second core, the larger plot ah. starts to emerge. Okay. Um, that's it. And because, like we said, there's no anime strike in Canada. What? Who watched Welcome to the Ballroom last night? That would be Jordan. Oh, man. Listen, it's just the first episode. I can't really, like, report on it. Nothing really happened. Mm-hmm. Hey, he's a dude. He doesn't feel he has any direction. He box steps for all night to win the respect of the guy who's trying to, or thinks he might try to teach him. But he will, like any other anime, about a weird thing that <laughs> someone's trying to be the best at. You learn a little bit. Oh. Learn a little bit. Their steps are so long in ballroom dancing. Oh, yeah. Super long steps. Yep. That's real hard on your thighs. Yep. As our protagonist learned. Also, the the primary girl. Yeah. Realistic proportions. Really? Yeah. That's she, new. She's kind of a little thick with two Cs. Huh. Um, yeah. 
So welcome to the ballroom. We are totes here for shouts to Megan Murphy on the IGN group who uh, posted a Kermit meme last night that just said, like, love how everybody has a huge problem with the long necks in uh, Welcome to the Ballroom because they do mention that. It's a bit where, like, they talk about posture and when the guy actually stands up straight, his neck is like giraffe length. Yeah. Um, everybody's got a real problem with the neck length in Welcome to the Ballroom, but every season, titties come <laughs> out from nowhere. No one's got a problem with that. Yep. But that's none of my business. I think that's all I got on the updates side of things. Cool. Um, Recreators continues to be awesome. That show basically requires a minor in literary theory at this point, but I, I am here for it. I continue to not watch it because I'm sick, so I've just been sick all over the place. Uh, they had a filler episode, not a filler episode. They had a recap episode that went like straight community to the point where they were saying like, yeah, you probably think we're like, don't worry, we're not like out of money. This isn't like to save time. Like we knew we were going to do this at the start of production. It's all narrated by Meteora. And Amazing. It's fantastic. Um, and yeah, just to stay part of the conversation, still still watching that My Hero Academia. Really? Because it has become so much less about Deku and Bakugo. Okay. It's about just them as a whole. Right. Kind of getting back onto Deco a little bit, but the one scene we saw, they're now going on to their, basically their internships. Okay. And Bakugo meets up with his, the guy who asked for him, whose name is Best Genist. Okay. He's got like a bunch of denim and I think he just like shoots threads or whatever, but he basically spanks Bakugo. Like Bakugo does like, you asked for me. What do you, what'd you ask for me? Blah, blah, blah. He basically like threads him up and he can't move. And he's like, you're talented, but you're a prick. And hero and villain are two sides of the same coin, so I'm going to teach you what it is to be a hero. What? And I'm like, yes! Snap! Spank him, best genist, and continuing the trend of having the best ending credit sequences. Uh, the first one from the first part of the season. Second season was all about the girls. Yep. I said it's the show I wish I was watching. Yep. Um, this one for this season is they're all done in like a fantasy. Like Amazing. It all looks like D&D. Uh, yeah, so that's that's what I'm out there watching. I am woefully behind. Preacher came back. I don't even know. I don't even yeah, know. I know. I gotta I know. get caught up on Preacher. I didn't get caught up in all the things I said I was going to get caught up, and then I'm just going to be like three years behind by the time. Yeah, the show is going to get very non-topical as we go forward, because we don't have time to catch up on anything. Oh. But thank you for listening anyway, friends. Yeah, you. Ju- we know you just come to hang out. And if you uh, want to get at us and let us know, these episodes are too fucking long. Maybe you can do that at all the ways we mentioned at the top. Twitter at GeekdownPod, email GeekdownPod at gmail.com, or the Facebook group, which is at www.facebook.com forward slash GeekdownPod. So that is just about going to wrap it up for us, I believe, on an extra double-sized special commemorative episode 75. 75? 75. We have been with you people for 75 episodes. Frankly, That's crazy. That's 75 weeks. Frankly, my love, I did not think we were ever going to make it Oh man, episodes. when we get 100, we're Listen, having a party. I don't traditionally people do live apps i don't know if that's the sort of thing we can do but oh, that's weird we may have to we will discuss things something will happen for episode 100 but goddamn we are closer to episode 100 than we are further away from it and I that's, know. that's, that's great bizarre. that's bizarre anyway thank you for joining us for all of our 75 possibly 100 episodes as we go forward friends it means the world to us that you take dear god two hours of your life <laughs> every week to listen to us and we appreciate it more than you realize my name is jordan ferguson and my name is caitlin mckinnon theme song is by rob gasser and we will be back here next week for another normal sized episode of the geek down podcast see you then
I dream about that song. Do not shop at a Parkdale ice cream truck. <laughs> <laughs>